G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might be feeling a little pressure right now as we approach Easter that this weekend you are not allowed to leave the house. All of our ideas of adventuring by hitching the caravan or jumping on a motorbike, going to your favourite holiday accommodation, they're all on the back burner Our leaders are telling us, stay home, don't holiday this weekend. Well, the best we can do on 2020 today is try to get adventurous in our own way, perhaps in a vicarious way, by tapping into the amazing adventures of Nick and Yvette Wynne. Now, Nick and Yvette embarked on a real adventure, riding on a pair of Ducati 1200cc Multistradas on a 20,000-kilometre journey around Australia, they wanted to break the cocoon of city life. And don't we all feel a little bit like that, those of us who live in cities? Nick is an emergency doctor. Yvette is a not-for-profit manager. They decided that they would have a go at filming their journey. And as a result a unique 12-part reality television series called Holy Roland Down Under has been released. In fact, it is screening each Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern States, 5 in the West, and early on Sunday mornings, 4.30 a.m. in the Eastern States, that'll be 2.30 in the West. It goes over 12 weeks on the Australian Christian Channel. And uh, you'll be able to keep an eye out for that and you'll want to, no doubt, catch up with that TV program once you've heard the story of Nick and Yvette. So I want to make a special welcome, first of all, to you, Yvette. Welcome along. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having us. And to you, Nick. Welcome along. Awesome, Neil. Hey, let me start with Yvette because, Yvette, your story starts with you. And uh, it wasn't a wasn't an easy start. In fact, you were responding to some real crises in your own life. Yvette, I wonder whether you can just take us back to the the original things that were going on with you that actually triggered the idea of going on a motorcycle journey around Australia. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, so I had some difficulties in my life when I was um, probably early thirties. Uh, mid-twenties, and uh, I wanted to have a baby, rah, 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 long story short, uh, life wasn't turning out how I expected, and I uh, wanted to exit the planet, so I popped a whole lot of pills and, and tried to do it like that. It turned out that the pills were antibiotics, and I had a big case of thrush in the end. But Nick was obviously very upset by all this and I promised that I would never do that again. So fast forward another 20 years and I had more difficulties in my life and I wanted to escape and this time I wasn't, yeah. So I I did it sort of a uh, productive way and I said to my husband, I said, honey, 
I just want to escape from this world right now, so I'd like to jump on my motorbike and just ride around, his ride, just, just take off. And he said to me, oh, well, I don't really want you to do that and I can't stop you, but, um, but if you can wait for me and I'll take some long service leave and I'll come with you. And I thought to myself, well, gee, that sounds like a good option because I could picture myself halfway around Australia and falling, falling over on my bike and I can't pick it up by myself. It's too heavy. So, <laughs> so it's handy to have a husband around who can pick up your motorbike. And, uh, and I'm sure, Nick, you probably felt like a little bit of an appendage. Uh, you'd be just tagging along. But no doubt being the safety mechanism uh, would have been quite a motivation for you too. So you had some long service leave and you decided that you'd plan your trip together and uh, you had matching motorcycles. Tell us a little about your motorcycles as we get underway. Nick, uh, you're the mechanical one here. Uh, what's so special about your motorcycles? Uh, you really do fall in love with your motorcycle. Um, if I have to describe this motorcycle in terms of personality, she's high maintenance, um, very flighty, but um, wonderfully performing. Um, you know, I, I guess a very Italian style, and they are a, a joy and a delight. I mean, we 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 don't have those anymore. We had to sell them, but um, we absolutely had a ball on these Italian stallions, as we call them, the multi-strategy caddies. Well, the idea of running away is an important one, and no doubt listeners today to our conversation will have a certain feeling about running away from it all right now. I mentioned that uh, that sometimes you can feel, I mentioned your feeling of being cocooned in the city. Well, the idea of being locked in to your house over the Easter long weekend, which is a time when we Aussies love to get out and about and go and do our holiday thing, uh, people will identify with you here. But I wonder whether, Yvette, when you talk about the sort of, I have to get out of this place, I have to run away from it all, uh, take us into that sort of emotional sentiment, that desperation, that despair that you were in that said, we've got to get out and do something. Yeah, Neil, there's, um, you know, the fight or flight response. I'm definitely the flight, <laughs> the flight one. I just wanted something different in my life. And, um, and I guess, you know, and I know that there might be listeners now and they, they're feeling the same, but even though we can't escape physically, Sometimes I think that when we're up against the wall and you feel like that there's no way out, you can always look up and you look up to God. And um, and that, to me, and, and hear from him, and can sometimes he'll have a creative thing for you to do or a purpose and that you hadn't actually thought of before. So that's my encouragement, I guess, even though people are stuck in their homes and they can't escape, but they can uh, push into God and God will have something for them. I know it. That's our God. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Nick and Yvette Wynn are our guests, motorcycle missionaries who set off on a 20,000-kilometre motorcycle journey around Australia. Nick, let me come to you first of all. You're underway. You've got your motorcycles. You've also, no doubt, got that plan in place. 
that you're going to be videoing a lot of your adventures along the way. Let's come to some of your favourite destinations. Now, we better start with a starting point here uh, for listeners because listeners uh, tuned in all around Australia no doubt will identify with a lot of the places that you'll talk about. But uh, from your starting point, give us an impression here of some of the, the early parts of the adventure that you can draw attention to. Yeah, okay. So as an overhead meal, we did start in Sydney, Australia, and we went up to the Long Reach through Burke, around to Darwin, across to Port Headland on the west coast, down the west, uh, all the way down the west coast, all the way along the bottom of Australia, and then back up to Sydney. So that was the overall mud map. Um, I only had one date that I had to hit, and that was 11 weeks from start point. We needed to be at the uh, Grand Prix in um, Melbourne for the motorcycles. Yep. Sorry, in Phillip Island in the motorcycle. So... Um, we were free. We were just winging it as we were going along. And no doubt um, things got underway uh, probably fairly smoothly. You might have your own impressions there, but you started in Sydney and you're heading north inland. You mentioned up towards Burke on your way to Longreach. Uh, give us an impression of your, uh, you know, your journey along the way and those sorts of destinations you might have stopped in at. Yeah, great. So, look, we uh, we had uh, two friends, one in Dubbo and a contact, not a friend, in Burke. And so we felt sort of cocooned a little bit like, okay, we're being nurtured, we know people. Um, Dubbo was wonderful. Vetty got to catch up with a friend, but we just headed on fairly quickly to Burke. And Vetty was due to actually uh, help with a sermon there in the uh, Burke Baptist Church. Baptist Church. Yeah. And um, uh, she piked out. Uh, on the Saturday night at the last minute and um, so I got lumbered with that one <laughs> and, <laughs> and it says something about Burke uh, Ian Cole he might be listening now and he was absolutely delightful he had us two nights and he didn't even know us so that was lovely yeah it was a classic you know Aussie big heart big country heart big outback heart and uh, not only that but he uh, he took us through uh, Burke and showed us around the town um, he took us through some of the spiritual history of Burke which included um the birthplace of the Cornerstone uh, Missionary Movement, the Discipleship Movement. Um, it was uh, Colin Buchanan was from Burke. Yeah, yeah, oh. Cole. Good old Cole. <laughs> and it was just a really, really lovely, um, gentle start to the trip. Um, didn't didn't take too big a distances. Just a real lovely start. And as we were, I remember as we were leaving Burke and we were heading out de- dearly into the outback and. Uh, I looked at Yvette and thought, wow, we're leaving everybody we know. <laughs> we're on our own now. Hey, I don't know how much the two of you have been city slickers uh, all this time in your earlier years, but was that a surprise to you that you really experienced the real big-heartedness of Outback Aussies? Well, I actually, funnily enough, grew up on the farm at uh, near Dubbo, and uh, so. And, but when I was eighteen, I came to Sydney and has and have been there all my life. So it w- it was a very distant memory, uh, the country country p- hospitality. But I just I just honestly love country people, and my accent gets a little bit broader as I get out there and um, enjoy with them. It's they're just the delightful people. This is amazing. A real respect for anyone who lives in the country. Nick, what time of year was it when you embarked on this journey? Because I know you had all sorts of challenges. Uh, You were there across various seasons and uh, at the height of the cold and at the height of the heat. uh, Where were you in all those seasons? 
Yeah, so we, uh, we're trying to work out to do winter up north um, because it can be dreadfully hot and dreadfully wet. So we left in August um, and we didn't get to sort of the other side of Australia until about September. Um, and so as it was um, hotting up, we were down in the southern areas of Australia. But uh, we certainly had a lot of very variable weather and amazing challenges um, in temperature along the way. Um, I can think of a uh, day in, uh, where were we now, on the west coast near Broome, uh, up the Cape Levique Road on a dirt road. We hit 48 degrees in our gear and uh, 100 degrees of the motorcycle between your, your legs, and it was, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, and likewise, when we were just in coming out of Sydney, Betty nearly got hypothermia it was on, our, on day one when we were going through Katoomba and we'd underdone the clothing. Um, and we had to pull up and just just warm her up. She was in not such great shape. <laughs> okay, so uh, extreme heat, Cape Levique, forty eight degrees it was when you were there on that day. And for listeners uh, on the Dampier Peninsula in the northwest, just north of Broome in Western Australia, and of course you mentioned the Blue Mountains, uh, freezing cold and uh, fears of getting hypothermia when you're doing that. Let me just reflect uh, some listeners. Uh, I've been asking this question. You're in social isolation, but if you could visit anywhere in Australia this Easter, where would you go? Uh, Bonnie says Alice Springs. She would go there and visit Canon, Reverend John and Mildred and also uh, visit the heart of Australia. Gavin says anywhere along the coast between Shark Bay and Waruna Station or camping up the Gascoigne River in Western Australia. Tash says... We were planning to go to Cairns for the Easter break to see family. Haven't been back since Christmas 2018. Was looking forward to it, but must stay home. And Amy says, I'd go to Adelaide to spend Easter with my grandparents. It's getting harder for them to come and see us in Alice Springs, so I'd love to be able to go and visit them. So there's a few little uh, notes there from listeners, where they'd go if they were having a dream escape. But you had this dream escape. Any of those places that you uh, that you can uh, reflect on? Did you get down to, uh, as we were hearing there, anywhere along the coast, Shark Bay to Waruna Station? Did you have that sort of part of your journey? Yeah, we did, actually, um, Betty. Shark Bay was amazing. That's that that was the day we um we went out on a boat trip and the captain of our little boat um just happened to have a, his girlfriend along. No. Okay. Sorry, that was a wrong <laughs> that was it. Coral that was Coral Bay. Coral that was Bay. Ningaloo Reef, yeah. Near it, near it. <laughs> Shark okay. Bay was the monkey Mia. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You see yeah, so many places, great. one turns into something similar to the other. Oh, so uh, that's that's all good. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, Shark Bay was where I fell off my motorbike. So we're um, trying to find a good spot. Like by about two in the afternoon, uh, the caravan parks start filling up with the um, all the caravans. And so we wanted to make sure that we had a spot for our... Because we were camping all the way around for our tent. So... Anyway, so we're in a bit of a rush to get to get in, and uh, when I pulled over, I pulled up. Nick had, was saying in my in the radio mic, "Don't pull up there, love. It's too um, too sandy." And I said, "No, nah, she'd be right." And I jumped off my bike and forgot about how top heavy it was, and away it fell over right um, right in front of the, the manager of the caravan park, <laughs> and um, I'm lying there. 
and the bike's on top of me, and he comes over and he says to me, are you all right, love? And I just looked up <laughs> to him and I just said, have you got any spots available? <laughs> so, I'm a bit of a dog on a bone I just wanted a spot <laughs> And I'll bet you're glad you brought Nick along on the journey at that point Because that was why, oh, he, was, yeah. that was why he was to come in the first place hey, yeah, well, The prevention didn't work, Neil But the cure was alright <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this ability to communicate uh, Great for being able to speak to each other While you're on the journey Like radio mics And, uh, and so you've got this wonderful relationship building How's that for, uh, you know, for communicating with one another on such a long journey? What are your thoughts, Nick? She turned me off a few times. (laughs) (laughs) You could have have sing-alongs and all sorts of things, couldn't you, in your motorcycle helmets? We did a lot of reflecting, um, you know, about life and just you really are seeing quite a lot out there. Hmm. Um, But also you you need to, when it gets boring and flat and long, you do need to chit-chat, otherwise uh, it's very easy to, to drift and lose focus and lose the road. So uh, it was kind of a, a, a... Some people say you shouldn't, you know, use that distracting mic, but I think um, it works in reverse when you're out there in those conditions. You kind of need that to uh, stay focused and g each other up. Hmm. And it was it was really good. And we I played music, my um, worship music, through that too. And in fact, not on this trip, but... Uh, another outing that we had went on, I was worshipping God and having a lovely time talking to God, and um, I didn't notice that the road I was on just ran out, and, uh, <laughs> and very quickly uh, so afterwards I found myself uh, spread-eagled along the road um, approaching another car, mm. but um, and the bike on top of me. Wow! As it turned okay. out, it was only a uh, it was a hairpin, and the car that was coming was quite slow and saw me, and all he could see was this girl with a with a motorbike on top of her sliding along the road. Anyway, um, that was all cool, and I actually have been a bit of a gymnast uh, back in the day, and those skills came to fall, Neil, and uh, jumped up and wrote the bike off actually in the end poor, poor well, we're glad you made it back in one piece we're going to break <laughs> to go to news now and we'll continue the conversation after vision national news but let's come back to falling off your motorcycle because you fell off your motorcycle and did a little bit of damage event but nick you also came a cropper once or twice take us into your your accidents along the way nick what happened to you Look, uh, Neil, the, we were actually uh, cocooned by, I don't know, a flotilla of angels as we went around Australia on this trip. <laughs> I mean, we dedicated it to God, and uh, we had only very, very minor skirmishes. My major skirmish was when I got home, unfortunately, but uh, I've actually just come back from seven months off, um, four broken bones, three operations, and um, I finally back to work after seven months. But I tell you what, I'm back on my bike. <laughs> Is that all part of the adventure, that you actually face dangers along the way? Yvette, I mean, I imagine when you set out to do this, you're running away from everything, getting out of the cocoon of being in the city, thinking you're going to have a wonderful time and everything's going to be glowing, you're going to have a smile on your face all the way, and then you fall off your bike, you have an accident, you do some damage, and the two of you went through that. Yvette, what are your thoughts about, uh, you know, what you had, the impression that you had of everything going rosily, and then uh, some things turned bad? 
Well, um, yeah, that accident actually happened uh, not on this on that trip, which was great because otherwise we would have, yeah. But actually, I must say though, Neil, when we did set out, I I did have the thought that maybe I might not come back, you know, because I know it is very dangerous out on the motorbike and anything could happen. It might be my uh, error, but it can so easily be another person um, on the road you know, uh, a head-on collision so easily. So I know you're quite fragile out there, and, and I know when I went, I thought, well, I might not be coming back, but that's, that's okay. I know where I'm going. Dangers on outback roads when you're on a motorcycle, as you say, the idea of a head-on collision, but there's lots of wildlife around on the roads as well. Nick, did you have many encounters that could have put you in danger? Pretty well daily, Neil, but... Uh we mitigated, so the animals like to go to sleep during the day. So as long as you were sensible and sort of rode after eight thirty, nine o'clock, uh, that did drop a lot of it down. And certainly not riding at night time because uh, you will you will not survive basically on a motorbike at night, unfortunately. That's right. Hey, I do want to get onto the idea of being a motorcycle missionary. Uh, because both of you, strong in your faith, and I know listeners will be able to hear some vulnerabilities there, and that really makes you very authentic people. And and uh, so to be a motorcycle missionary on your journey, you met a lot of people along the way. Take us into what it is to be a carrier of a message of the gospel and how you might communicate that while you're on the sort of journey you're on. What are your thoughts here, Yvette? Yeah, Neil, I... um. I went away, went around thinking, what is God doing in our country? And so I went with that mindset just to ask questions um, more than um, to actually share my story. I wanted to know their story. And so that's exactly what we did when we went around. We just asked people, so why are you doing this? You know, we'd meet people on the road who were just one lady, uh, Tracy, I met. uh, She's walking around Australia with a cart uh, raising money for uh, mental health because her son suffered depression. And so we see her in the middle of Australia and I stop, you know, we pull up stumps at 100 k's an hour we're going or actually more, but I'll get booked. But um, so anyway, so we jump off and uh, it's hot. You know, every time you stop on on your motorbike is actually an effort because you've got to get your gloves off, your helmet off. Like, it's all a drama and um, to, to stop. So, But we did. And, uh, and I went up to her and I said, Tracy, what, what are you doing uh, walking around walking? And uh, she was telling me, you know, what she did it for. And I, and I heard her story. And then I said to her, well, what about faith? Do you have a faith? Because I'm very interested to know. Uh, some people do and some people don't. And this lady said she didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, and I think I might have even asked her any answers to prayer then or, you know, do you think about praying? And she said, well, actually, and she remembered back in uh, on the east coast of Australia when she was there, she was telling me a story about how she got stuck on the middle of a freeway and she couldn't, she couldn't uh, get out of that. Point. And she had just visited a church the night before they'd let her stay and shared some food with her. And so then after being prompted by the church visit, she thought, heck, I think I might um, ask God for help. So she did. And then this truck came out of nowhere to stop all the traffic and she was able to get off the freeway. 
So there you go. Like, you know, so I ask, I ask questions, Neil. That's, that's, yeah. And Nick, that's how I, um, Nick, something yeah. profound as Yvette's sharing those thoughts is that when you, in fact, invite people to pray with you or you'll say, can I pray for you? You bring God into their circumstances. And in some sense, there's a reminder there of the encounters that people may have had in the past. And if they don't have that reminder today, when they're in the middle of a crisis, they may not think to ask God into their circumstance. What are your thoughts about just how significant it is, even when you have even the simplest of conversations with people? Neil, I'm, as an emergency doctor, I spend a lot of my time repairing bodies. And um, it, 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 it's almost an expectation for a person when they come in, they're, they're feeling down, and you, all the best you can do is to get, get them back to normal and neutral. Um, but I found that it's actually the soul that needs the work. And if you if they have any inkling that, uh, that they would like me to pray or they've got a background faith and I actually minister um, to the soul and not just the body, um, they go from sort of beyond north to actually well into joy and into positive. Um, and the bank for the buck is extraordinary. And I think we're do- underdoing... Well, you know, we're doing what we can with the body and we're underdoing what we need to do in the soul realm, I think, all over the, all over the country. Um, we certainly found that uh, it was very easy to pray with people um, out there and uh, I don't think we ever got a knockback. In fact, we even had a, we met a lady on a bridge in uh, Camberwheel and um, she ended up being a, pre, a sort of lapsed Christian, now atheistic, um, because of cancer had uh, struck her and, and she reacted in a way to say, well, I don't think God's protecting me. I don't think there might be a God anymore. So um, Betty and her had a great conversation because uh, Betty's also had cancer in a, in a background and they were able to sort of connect at a good level. Um, and But even despite that, you know, she was okay with us praying with her and praying for her and she said it would be fine. So, yeah, I think we, are, I think we underdo the prayer now. Underdoing prayer and the simple things that are so profound when it brings God into the circumstances of people. And we might pick up some more on that. Uh, Just to say, though, we've been inviting listeners to join in the conversation and uh, give us some impression as to their uh, favourite destination because the Facebook question asks, you're in social isolation, but if you could visit anywhere in Australia this Easter, because we know you can't, It's the question, where would you go? Well, it's amazing that some people are saying where I would go is I'd go to church. Marcus says he'd go to church. So does Andrew. And there's some more, too, down the list if you were looking at the list of what people are saying. Others are saying, uh, Feli says, I would go to Esperance in WA. Mazza says I'd go to Fraser Island and I know that those islands off the coast of Queensland that are so popular are all closed and you can't go there for an Easter weekend. Uh, You've got uh, Shalana who says she would go to the beach, any beach, uh, not too choosy but a beach would be nice. Penny says she'd go across WA caravanning with dogs. Uh, there's Melva who says east coast of Victoria. Robin says she would go to Norfolk Island. Uh, you've got uh, Louise who says, honestly, just two suburbs over to see my grandpa. It's been, and she says, it's been hard to not be able to see him. Tasha says we were planning to go to Cairns for the Easter break to see family. Haven't been there. Since 2018, Elizabeth says, we're in Tassie on holiday, 
turned lockdown. I would love to see past the horizon, but we are staying put. Let's come back to uh, what you were saying when people are open to prayer, when you are a motorcycle missionary, and sometimes you think that you are the one who has to force a conversation about faith. But in fact, what I can hear you saying is that those sorts of conversations don't have to be forced because when you ask people and get into a conversation about their hopes and dreams, about the sorts of experiences they've had in their lives, the tragedies they've faced, and whether they've ever had any faith, once you start talking about those things, people immediately come out with all of the sorts of things that ask the questions that we have answers to. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts here around the idea of people having these inward issues around their own heart and they've got their search that's going for God and uh, when you are a motorcycle missionary or a missionary in general, uh, that you're actually there just to connect people to God? Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. The sentiment of that is, is where we're at, Neil. And it's a simple matter of almost just basic manners of asking people where they're at and allowing them some airplay to start with. Um, to get the connection going. Um, people don't mind talking about themselves often, so it, it, it just smooths out any sort of um, preaching or forced uh, sharing of faith um, when you're actually just connecting with people. Um, and you can connect at simple levels, just talking about weather and the places, and, and then you can drop down into sort of, rather than head-level stuff, into heart-level stuff. And um, if people trust you because you've made a good connection, they will do that. And, and people, I think, are a lot more vulnerable and a lot more open than we give them credit for. We've just got to give them a bit of time and a bit of space um, to share. And um, they're, they're the heart-level things are where God has the answers, and there's precious little in this world other, other than God to answer those deep, deep spiritual and uh, soul-level questions. I think, Had, too... Yeah. Uh, sorry, Aunt, just on that, Neil, when... Uh, when we've been vulnerable ourselves as well, they can see that you're a safe person and then they share their, their story as well. And that creates a really good, safe connection. So how does these issues, how do they come through in your TV series, uh, Holy Rolling Down Under? Uh, do you have any of those conversations that you were able to record? Uh, are those people open enough to have, uh, have been part of the, the conversations that you might have had on the TV series? Actually, funnily enough, um, we were in Durian Bay just having a coffee, Nick and me, and you know, people are so friendly all around um, Australia. And this lady, I just, you know, you just get chatting in the coffee shop as you do. And she was a real character. And I just loved the characters. And uh, and I just said to her, tell me about yourself. So she's on one end of the cafe talking to me about her experiences. And and in all that, then she tells me about her life. And I, and I just look at her and I say, well, do you have a face? And she says, oh, my wordy, yes, I do. And then she tells me about her story. So then after a while, and it's an amazing story, I said to her, would you mind if I videoed that? And right then, and she said, no, not at all. So right then there in the coffee shop, we asked the um, manager to turn the music down and oh. uh, or off. And then we we interviewed her and she was an absolute character and it was just one of those chance co coincidences that you have with God. Um, yeah, so that people, so they just, and I had no idea where she was at with God until I asked. 
Nick, you no doubt had some opportunities to visit some country churches on your travels around Australia. Were any of those uh, that come to mind? Uh, any experiences you've got? Indeed. Uh, Neil, look, one of the most fascinating churches to me was right uh, up near uh, Cape Levique, a place called Beagle Bay, uh, so north of Broome, and it's this tiny little Catholic church made of almost oyster shells on the inside, yeah, yeah. or pearl shells, hmm. um, and it is, it's a gorgeous thing, and it's, it's, uh, it's so reverent, it's so quiet, um, and it's beautiful, and and the and, and just the, the presence of uh, uh, the, the immediacy of God's sacrifice, Christ's sacrifice, came through really, really strongly, and it was very, very different from my usual tradition, evangelical tradition. So I really appreciated it. Let's talk about the TV series because we're running a little short of time here. So the TV series, you were filming all of these experiences, your travels. Uh, even the challenges, uh, falling off motorcycles and such things along the way. Uh, let's talk about the production. I, I imagine, did you did you have in mind that it would be turning into a TV series or did you get home and thought, this has been such an amazing experience, we should get all of our film and turn it into a TV series? Uh, wh- how, how does the production side of things work? Yeah, well, actually, yeah, and that was a thing. Um, so we, we had all this footage. Every night I would go through all our footage and put the best bits on a timeline. I had a a rough, I did a rough edit. I've got some basic skills at editing. And and then afterwards, it's like, okay, who are we going to pay to do this? And we found this amazing guy, Josiah Hallett, and um, through work, contact, and we asked him if he would do something with it. And he had a look at it and he showed us the first episode, the first thing, and we said, gee, that's really good. Uh, can we? Can you do more of that and let's make that into a, a series? And so we did it with him. And he doesn't live near us, so it was all all a bit tricky of how we did it. So, um, well, I was just thinking, Neil, about that question. And mm-hmm. um, Betty was on the escape, and I was on the rescue, and that was the sort of start of the trip. But I felt like I wanted to redeem the time and make it a mission. Um, and I thought, how do I make this a mission? I think I need to record it. So I did have that as a loose idea in my mind. We took 20 kilos of camera gear away, a computer. We were doing editing in a tent in the middle of nowhere in Australia on battery power um, just to keep up with the uh, amount of footage. It was, quite a, it was quite a lot of work. It did detract a little from the joy, but I, I dedicated this thing to God, and I, I, I wanted it primarily and at least as a record for my family, um, so they could just get some insight into Australia, get some insight into their, their mum and dad. Um, but then the, the, the wider aspect of it sort of became a, a thing as we got the first episode back on the first production from the young fella. And we thought, hang on a minute, I think other people might, this is worthy enough for other people to look at. Okay. Uh, Yvette, I've got to ask you a question here that goes right back to the beginning of our conversation and we talked about the reason why you needed to run away, get away, go and do something completely different to what you're used to and uh, the idea of running away from it all. I'm wondering at the end of the journey and all of the adventures that you'd gone through, all of the characters that you'd met along the way, all of the amazing scenery that you'd seen, having done the getaway, is it as a therapeutic exercise, did it work? Uh, did you did you feel a sense of 
wholeness and fulfillment when you arrived back from the journey? Had it satisfied that inner longing that you were looking for? I don't know so much as that because the circumstances were still the same, Neil, but I tell you what it did do. It helped my headspace because I was then, when you're in an adventure, you're thinking in the present and you're not thinking of the future and you're not thinking of the past and you're just thinking that moment and that was really positive for my headspace. I think it is Philippians that says whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think of such things as these and so for me uh, thinking and doing something productive with God and for God, just that yes, helped my my therapy, that was therapy for me, yes. Yeah. Now the two also, of you with, with, Yep. When she got back she had um greater purpose too and focus and so you know when the devil likes to whisper to you that you're an irrelevant christian um not worthy to to be one of god's ministers then you know the best thing to do is to go and minister really and um the ministry didn't stop at the end of the three months because then it became well okay we've got a year to do this to get this worthy enough for uh, a tv show and so that ministry came and now it still seems to be going on now (laughs) And a question for the two of you here, and uh, perhaps go to Nick on this. Would you do it again? Yeah, well, my wife is nodding. (laughs) (laughs) I should have pointed that to Yvette. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Look, you know, but we've done Australia. Um, I'd love to, my dream would be to do New Zealand or America, do the same thing. I'd love that. That'd be so cool. You've got the motorcycle bug and you want to be back out on the open road. Uh, you've got a book. It's called Heaven Can't Wait. And uh, I know people can get a hold of that through good Christian bookstores and uh, Kurong has it in stock. No doubt people can get it from your website too. And, uh, of course, motorcyclemissionaries.com.au. Uh, Nick, about your book, Heaven Can't Wait. It tells your stories. It does. Look, uh, it's probably written over a 10-year period of life when we were just trying to find God through some mess. Um, so it's a bit real and a bit raw. And, um, but, it, it, yeah, our journey into actually making a real and tangible um, two-way connection with the God of the universe. And the TV series, Holy Roland Down Under, it's screening on the Australian Christian Channel, and uh, lots of our listeners will have access to the Australian Christian Channel. I've just realised that perhaps uh, when I said it screens on Friday nights at 7pm, uh, and I mentioned maybe that's 5pm in the West, but maybe it's 7pm all around Australia. It depends on how the Australian Christian Channel works. I'm not sure how their timing works, but what sort of feedback have you been getting from uh, from Holy Roland Down Under, Yvette? Oh yeah, we got um, just this random lady. Uh, she she uh, um, found me through Facebook, and she said, "Wow, you guys rock with the rock." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that just says it all, doesn't it? Like that was really amazing that we that they could, and they're looking at our marriage as well uh, on it, and and they are, I, I think, quite inspired and encouraged by the whole thing, and and really interested, yeah, in. In our journey. Oh, there's lots of dimensions we could continue to explore, but we've run out of time because the fact that you have a 30 plus years marriage, uh, some people might say this is a little bit like a midlife crisis getaway. Uh, we could talk about all those sorts of dimensions too, and uh, no doubt there's some reflections you might have on those sorts of issues. But I do want to point people to the TV series on the Australian Christian Channel. It's called Holy Rolling Down Under. Keep an eye out for it. Nick and Yvette Wynn. They mentioned their book. 
It's Heaven Can't Wait. You can get it through Coorong or you can get it through the website, motorcyclemissionaries.com.au. And thanks to everyone, too, who responded on that Facebook question. And no doubt there'll be lots more responses that will come through the day. Uh, To you, Nick, and to you, Yvette, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. We feel blessed. Absolutely. It's been a privilege. God bless you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.